0: So grateful for what they did. Proverbs 18, 16 is where we're going today. And then Ecclesiastes 8, 4. These are our readings. Proverbs eighteen sixteen: a man's gift makes room for himself and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him, the idea is favor, brings him favor before great men. Ecclesiastes 8.4 Where the word of a king is There is power There is power Where the word of a king is There is power Last week was wonderful We had such a great time A couple of weeks ago though I preached a message on the power of a standout life Challenged us to give our lives away In service to the king of kings Today I'm preaching another message power of sermon, the power of a gift, the power of a gift, and I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for the challenge that I have felt in my spirit as the pastor, the shepherd of this flock, and I pray that somehow you could transmit that. Let let me communicate that, Lord, to the best of my ability, and Put an anointing on me to, to speak a word that, I got to be honest, I feel more in my spirit than, than I feel like I can articulate, Lord. Help me, God, to convey this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You probably had a birthday party for you when you were a kid. I mean, you're the star of that show. Everybody brings you a gift. Now, I'm an only child, and uh, birthdays in my family were all about me. Who cares about mom's birthday? Who cares about dad's birthday? It's Donovan's birthday, and it's all about me. And uh, here's the deal. My favorite birthday parties that my mother threw for me were the ones that uh, took place at this place that most of you won't know. Some of you will. It's a place called Hamels Park in Shreveport, Louisiana. Can I get an amen, Rose? Yeah, <laughs> Hamels Park. Now, I've got some pics. I went crazy on pics. I've got some pics of Hamels Park. Check this out. Uh-huh. These are vintage right here. This is from '77. That's their version of the teapot ride, okay? And, and me and my cousin Randy and other cousins of whom you know not of, we, we would ride that ride until we got sick. I've got more rides. Uh, i got, I got more pictures. And this, this is what my birthday party would look like right here. I'm little Lord Fauntleroy at the head of the table getting all the gifts. It was all about me. All the rides were about me that day. Everything was about me. I got more pics of Hamels Park. Remember that? The the motorcycles there under that big pavilion. The boats. The boats. I'd get in that thing, steer those boats. Uh, I got another one. The bumper cars. uh, They were awesome. We got another one. The yo-yo. The yo-yo. Is that the last one? That's the last one. Just it's so much fun at Hamels Park. And they had a little theme song. I could sing it for you, but I'm not going to. I loved those parties. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Those are ch- wonderful childhood memories. And how selfish, right? All about me, everybody bringing me presents, mom and dad dropping money, renting out parts of the park, you know, just awesome. We, we just went through the five <coughs> Excuse me. love languages in our life groups, uh, for, for married couples, and one of those languages is gifts. Your spouse likes gifts, and you got to learn to speak that language, giving gifts. It communicates something. Giving a gift to someone communicates respect, honor, love, affection. And, and the verse that we read is usually interpreted, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. It's usually interpreted like this. A man's gift, his calling, his anointing will make room for itself. But that's not what the verse really is saying. It's saying a gift will get you in the presence of a king. And the idea is this a gift will position you in the presence of that powerful person to be able to receive a favor, a favor. In monarchies, when one wanted to approach the throne, one was not to do so empty-handed. Instead, that person would bring a gift. It was protocol, proper. And we see that in other kinds of governments, too. For instance, in democracies. In 1835, a dairy farmer from New York presented President Andrew Jackson, check this out, with a 1,400-pound block of cheese. Kind of the big cheese for the big cheese. It was decorated with all kinds of mottos and slogans. The slab of cheese stayed in the foyer of the White House for two years. And finally, in honor of George Washington's birthday... In 1837, Jackson invited the public to enjoy free cheese. Within two hours, it was all gone. But the smell wasn't. When Richard Nixon established relations with China again, at a dinner in 1972 in Beijing, First Lady Pat Nixon mentioned that she loved giant panda bears. So the Chinese premier, Zhou Enlai, immediately had two giant pandas sent to the Nixons, Ling Ling and Sing Sing. And they lived in the National Zoo for the next 20 years. Now these were not bribes. They were gifts given to prove that one recognized the authority and power possessed by the person to whom they were given. They were given in honor Of that person. The gifts revealed an understanding of. The relationship between the giver. And the receiver. Of the gift. And and they were given because of. That relationship. And and what they did was they, they just set that individual. The giver of the gift. On a platform. And positioned that giver. To receive favor From the one to whom they were given. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Now my Bible tells me that our Jesus is king of kings. And so where his word is, I'm telling you there is unlimited power. And so when we approach his throne, we should not do so empty handed. We should bring a gift. I'm talking about the power of a gift. We should bring something, some token if you will, that shows honor and respect to His majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should bring a gift that acknowledges His lordship and His position and His power. Because a man's gift makes room for him and brings him to a place of favor before great men. How many of you want the favor of the king of kings and the Lord of lords in your life? How many of you want this king of kings fighting on your side? How many of you want this king moving on your behalf? There's a protocol for approaching his throne, and it's found in Psalm 104. David said this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name. Oh my goodness, help me, Lord, to preach this. Had the psalmist said, enter into his gates with gold and with cold hard cash and with cryptocurrency, that would have left some of us out a long ways, wouldn't it have? Yeah. Had he put it like this, enter into his gates with extraordinary talent, with brains and with education. enter into his courts with intellectual prowess. Some of us, we could have never darkened the doors. but but the way David put it, anybody and everybody under the sound of my voice can <laughs> enter in the rich, the poor, the talented, the not so talented. The high IQ, the low IQ, the educated, the uneducated, whosoever will can enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Give him some praise right now. The power of a gift. The eighth psalm starts out like this Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic. His majesty, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Then the next verse in that psalm, Jesus quoted it and put it in a little bit different context, added some layers to it. Jesus did it. He said in Matthew 28:16, quoting the very next verse. So the first one is our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then Jesus Put the next verse out there. Out of the mouths of babes, you have perfected praise. Praise, thanksgiving, it's not complicated. You you don't have to be super smart. Like we get theological. Like you can only theologians can worship the Lord. Only theologians can come into his presence. That was Pharisaical back in the day, man. Only the Pharisees, only the muckety-muck, only the up-to-do, only those people in the know could approach the throne of God. Everybody else was just commoners. They were down here. But I remember a story where a little lady with a sketchy past came into the presence of God and just got before the feet of Jesus and cracked, cracked open a bottle of ointment and just poured it all over Jesus' feet and began to worship Him. And there was a Pharisee in the the house who didn't worship at all. And and Jesus was like, look, you've not done anything to to, to welcome me into your house. And this little lady, and he said, I'm telling you, we'll talk about her from now until eternity. Because where the word of a king is, there is power. And a man's gift will make room for himself. It's not just the uppity-ups and the preacher's. And the the worship leaders, those who are trained to sing and to play music, that's not the ones that that he says are to enter into the presence of the Lord. It's not, I mean, it is those, but it's not just those. It's, It's everybody out of the mouths of babes, children, little ones, the innocent. You've perfected praise. Even a child can enter into his presence with the gift of praise and thanksgiving. And I have a convicting word because Bethesda kids lead us every Sunday and every Wednesday in praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see their precious little hearts right up here. Every time, hands lifted, tears coming down their eyes, songs coming out of their mouth, leading the way in worship and praise. Isaiah 11, 6 says, and a child shall lead them. Our kids lead the way. But I want to challenge some of you today. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Something happens from that 9, 10. 11 to that 15, 16, 18, 30, 40, 50. And somehow we think we're too sophisticated, we're too cool. We know too much. We shouldn't behave that way. My life is complicated. You just don't understand. Are you kidding me? First of all, you don't know some of these kids' stories. They're worshiping God in spite of adverse circumstances and situations. Who am I to come into the presence of the king of kings empty-handed? Are you kidding me? A man's gift will make room for himself. I want his favor. I want to acknowledge his power. I will come with praise and thanksgiving. Can you lift your hands to him right now? Come on now. Some of you teenage, some of you, come on, some of you uh, refuge, young people, some of you adults in this house, lift your hands to him. Praise him right now. Come on, I praise you, Father. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I'm not too big. I'm not too complicated. I'm not too smart. I'm not too educated. I'm not too proud. I'm not too busy to be thankful to praise your name, Lord. I'm telling you, church, God wants to send us revival. 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 There are seven feasts in Judaism. Each one is significant. We're going to study them all soon. Three of them did not... Four of them did not require a pilgrimage, three of them did, a pilgrimage, in-person attendance for every male, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Each of these feasts required a gift, a sacrifice for everyone that came, which says again, when you come to the house of the Lord, you do not come empty-handed. You offer up thanksgiving, you offer up praise, you come blessing His name. Those psalms of ascent, it's ascending the hill of the Lord. We sang about it today. It's ascending the hill of the Lord. It's coming into His presence with thanksgiving and praise. It's the gift that is expected, and a man's gift will make room for himself and, and bring him favor before people with great power. That gift positions you in such a way that you can receive. The power of a gift. David said it like this, Psalm 92, 1 through 4. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to His name, O Most High. Let's just stop right there for a second. It is good. You guys are making too much racket. You guys are too demonstrative. You guys are making too much noise. No, David... The one who talked about loud music and songs and cymbals and voices and clapping and dancing and shouting. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High God. It's good. It is good. It is not bad. Devil is a liar. It is good. That voice is telling you, don't you raise your hands and don't you lift your voice. Bad. That's from the other side. The one that says, Lift those hands, honey. Sing that song. Dance that dance. It is good. It is good to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on the instrument of 10 strings. Man, I don't even know what that is. I play six string, four string, sometimes five string. And an 88-string keyboard, right? But Ten strings. Okay, I'll take it. Some kind of harp thing, whatever. On the lute and on the harp and with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up to you, talk to you in the next just couple of minutes here, trying to wrap this up from my heart. God's wanting to send Holy Ghost fire to Bethesda. I'm talking about revival. I know things, I know people in the audience, I know things you're facing. Some of you are facing some stuff. But it's nothing that God can't handle. It's nothing that the fire of revival can't handle. And it would not be right for him to send that kind of fire on altars that have no gift and altars that have no sacrifice. The fire has always fallen and always will fall on altars that have a gift, that have a sacrifice, that have that sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Don't forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Are you with me? I, I've always wanted. Here's some straight up Transparency. I've always been looking to preach the silver bullet sermon. The one that slays the dragon and the one that sends the fire, sparks that fire of revival. Some of you don't know this, but when I was a teenager, 40 years ago, the Lord spoke a word to me that has been with me ever since about how he was going to send a mighty revival to America. He called it to me one last great awakening, one that would shake the earth, millions would be affected, and somehow I would be a part of it. And that's been in my spirit for 40 years now. And what I saw then has not happened yet. And, and I'm always thinking, maybe, just maybe, this sermon is going to do the trick. This is going to be the one. And I'm just being honest with you, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that this revival will not come from a sermon, but it will come from an altar. It will not be preached into existence. It will be sacrificed into existence by a church that has decided is done with playing games and it's done with being cute and it's done with just going through performance art one day or two days out of the week. But it becomes obsessed With laying its life down for this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords. As a matter of fact, in proportion to his greatness, I want to lay my life down. And isn't that what Jesus said when he said, If any man is gonna follow after me, here's how it's gonna happen you're gonna deny yourself, you're gonna take up a cross. And you're going to die to self. You're going to follow me. Romans 12. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that. Good. Acceptable. And perfect will of God. There's a a will of God that needs to be accomplished in the earth in these last days. And it's not going to happen until the body of Christ begins to live on the altar, laying our lives down for His majesty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you with me? I'm not wanting to end this on a down. I want to end this on an up. At the same time, I want to end it in such a way that we are challenged. To lay our lives down. So the fire of God can fall. Why don't you stand with me right now. Jeff is next week. Two weeks from now I'll be preaching another message called the power of a word. Where the word of a king is there's power. I'm going to talk about the power of a word. And I I got some stuff on that y'all. We've become biblically illiterate as a church. The dots are not connecting. And the big story is not understood. And it has weakened us in our witness. And the fire does not flow. We've not laid our lives down. I'm going to be talking about that. This is this is a series of thoughts. This is some concepts that God's talking to me. I'm gonna tell you something. There's something powerful about a gift. You don't have to be a theologian. I'm talking about. You don't have to be totally biblically accurate to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and to His courts with praise. You don't have to have it all together. But you can't come in empty-handed. And it's it's not just giving a dollar bill, writing a check, or giving online. That's easy compared to the humiliation of worship, praise, thanksgiving. Here's my life, I surrender. because money can become just about money, but God's after heart. You can give money and he not has your heart, he not have your heart. I know where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. but like we can give significant amounts of money and our heart, Does not go with it. But when he has our heart, God can say, give it all. And we're like, here you go. It's yours. Just like everything else I have. And I'm just coming to realize, again, I'm not wanting to be Debbie Downer, but I'm just telling you, I've come to realize all this is going to burn up. None of this is eternal. America is not eternal. This system of government is not eternal. The United Nations is not eternal. Your 401K is not eternal. Your IRA is not eternal. That retirement home, that nest egg, all of that, none of that is eternal. So much of our energy is put into things that are not eternal. And what the Lord is saying is, I got a work that I'm gonna do in this earth, and I'm gonna use the body of Christ to do it. But I need the body of Christ to recognize first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added, but you're never gonna lose your focus. First things first. It's about the kingdom! The kingdom! kingdom come, thy will be done on earth thy kingdom come in my heart in my life, in my family, in my finances, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, thy kingdom thy will, I present my body a living sacrifice, I have my mind renewed are you with me, it's about laying our lives down so the fire can fall and a move of God that shakes this planet can take place. That book of Acts church. May have been the first. But it's not the last. To see a world shaking move of God. It was said of them. That they turned the world upside down. And it will be said again. Of the church. They are the ones that turn the world upside down. I want to be in that number. I am not in a social club. I'm not in a denomination. I'm not in it to try to get position and accolades and, and people to, to 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 thank me. You know, do the whole the, the whole. He's a pastor. Oh, he's a pastor. Would you please say the blessing, pastor? We're so glad to have. Pa- I'm not in it for that. I'm in it because Jesus got a hold of me when I was a kid and and put a fire in me. And wants to use me. And wants to use you. He's gonna take us through to the other side. Would you close your eyes with me right now, Father? I pray God that you would challenge this church, every believer in this house. There's more to our walk with God, Father, than just walking through the door. Hallelujah. It's about our